Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is the match preview with myself, Andrew Musgrove and John Gibson. Newcastle head down to Spurs on Sunday to face Antonio Conte's men who are in a great run of form at home. But before we look at that game, we will, as usual, look back at Newcastle's last game, which was last night at St. James's Park. Newcastle continue their fabulous form this season, their fabulous form at St. James's Park over the last year, where only Liverpool have beaten them uh, in, in, in recent times. They beat Everton 1-0 last night. And before we dive into the, the game, John, I do have some bad news for you. What's that? Now, because you neglected to take up your application for the Miguel Almiron fan club, I'm going to have to inform you that you're going to have to join a waiting list. It's well, full. I'm absolutely decimated. I'll go home, cry and bite the pillow, I think. But I might get over it. Another goal for Miggy last night and a cracker at that as well. Yeah, very, very good goal. He seems to specialise if he scores in scoring extraordinary goals. And uh, yeah, we've got to say, without a shadow of doubt, we've seen an awful lot of changes in players because of Eddie Howe, uh, mainly in terms of confidence. The biggest, the standout, is Joe Linton, of course. It took a, pos- a positional change in his case uh, to, make, to make him... A different person but I mean we've seen changes in people like Shaw who has become from a, a defender with a, a mistake in him every game you knew he was going to make a monumental clangor was just whether we were going to get away with it or not to being a very competent very polished very astute central defender we've seen Kraft get so much better we saw Shelby when uh, Eddie first arrived before injuries halted Shelby's run in the team look a different player the body language of Ryan Fraser has been so much different under Howe but the the biggest change outside of Big Joe has been Miggy without a shadow of doubt um, and that's good to see I, I think it's all about confidence but I also think as much as it's about Miggy it's about Howe and Steve Bruce what Steve Bruce brought to the table and what Eddie Howe's brought to the table because Steve, Eddie Howe's got things out of players like Shaw, like Kraft, like Shelby, like Fraser, like Joe Linton, like Miggy, who were already here. The new signings have done terrific, but he's lifted a lot of players that were already here to levels that never looked possible under Steve Bruce. He looks a threat every time he goes forward. You've mentioned there a lot of it will be to do with confidence. Mm. How, just how surprised are you at the level that Almiron is now performing at? Oh, very surprised because I didn't think he could go up that last notch. He was always an enthusiastic player. His whole game was built on enthusiasm um to run back, to run forward, to run sideways across the pitch. He always had wild enthusiasm. He was always a willing worker. But one of the great differences of is now he looked like he was a wannabe. There was going to be and never was for me because you knew he wanted to be. You knew he was enthusiastic. But he didn't seem to have a footballing brain. He didn't seem to have an intelligence about him that he's got about him now. And um, confidence is a huge thing in anybody's life, not just, but especially footballers, where you you have 50,000 people looking over your shoulder every day at work sort of thing. It's a slightly different to the rank and file jobs. Um, but he, he is he's cooler. He used to be hothead. He used to run about ever decreasing circles till he was almost going to disappear up his own trouser leg. He is now much cooler. And take his goals. He's the top scorer this season with five goals. When did we ever think we would say that? But one of the reasons he's the top scorer is he used to snatch at chances. He used to snatch at his finishing and it was wayward as a consequence. He's cool takes his time now and finishes one touch. And that's so much better than the way it used to be. Yeah, it was a fantastic strike to see Pickford a little bit off his line and pop it over him. And I think what stood out for me, 
and you've kind of alluded to it there, the Miggy of old would maybe take a touch that would allow the defender Correct. to get back at him. Correct. But there, Correct. what he's done is he's done what every good player would do and just, just take a shot, you know, take it first time. And that is, that's the fine margin between scoring a goal and not. And it's All just great a, finishes are, are essentially one-touch finishes. Yeah. Yes, you've got to take an extra touch to give you a bit more space on occasion, but the game is built on being one-touch finishes. And he was a one-touch finisher last night. Had he taken an extra touch last night, the space would have been closed down and he might well not have scored. And I'm delighted for the lad because he is so much wants to be part, but it's it's quite frightening to see the difference Eddie Howe is making in a lot of players. And, um, you know, I don't want to labour on about Steve Bruce because... You know, but he didn't get the best out of a lot of players. He made players apprehensive. He, he made players nervous. He, he made players lack ambition. Now players are front foot. They're enthusiastic. They believe in what they're trying to do. I mean, it's taken... I think, I think the other thing, John, sorry, is that they know what they're actually meant to be doing. And that's the key correct. difference as well. I mean, it's taken Miggy three and a half years and 134 games to reach this stage. So uh, there was a time when we thought he would never reach this stage because that is a long time in a lot of games before it all... You know, he didn't hit the ground running like Bruno. And bear in mind, when he come, I think he was the second costliest uh, player in Newcastle's history behind another flop because Joe Linton as a centre-forward in terms of goals was a flop. So they both looked nothing special whatsoever under the previous management and they're now looking so much a better player and Miggy is looking so much a better player I mean you could only reporters are just like fans we don't see what happens on the training ground we own, the definition of the word reporter is that you report what your eyes are seeing and what my eyes were seeing with Miggy was a very enthusiastic, very willing, relentless worker that didn't really have an astute, cool footballing brain. But now he is. He's calmed down from being a, a, a hundred miles an hour, not in his legs, he still is, but in his head to now being cool, one touch and, and finish. And not just his finishing, his running is much more intelligent than it used to be. It used to be headless chicken. It, he, that, the best description of Miggy when he first come for the first couple of years was a headless chicken. He's not that anymore. How important is it that he has Trippier behind him and he's also got Bruno in the centre because oh, no one question. of the things that's maybe gone a little bit unnoticed is the relationship between Bruno and Almiron yet again. Another assist for Bruno for an Almiron goal. But there was two or three instances yesterday where the ball was played to uh, Bruno, often by Almiron. Almiron would continue the run. The ball would go over the top of the defender and Almiron mm. would try and put it back. We saw it for the Crystal Palace goal. We saw it for another goal as well this season where Bruno was providing the goods for Almiron. I mean, that partnership is... is well, crucial. on his side of the pitch... He's got two world-class players, and it's not too strong to say that because Bruno is that and, and will get better because he's a young man. Still, Bruno will forget that. And Trippier has played the highest level, England in a, in a final and winning La Liga in Spain. I mean, when you have them behind you, if you've got something in you, then they'll help to bring it out. There's absolutely no question about that. Yeah, 100%. And also credit to, to McGee for being receptive to, to listening to Taha or to Gumaresh or to Tripper. You can see it on the pitch. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's getting them instructions and he's, he's, he's listening and then he's acting on them. And yeah, he's been... I mean, I'm, yes, I've got to give him 110% credit because I, I, always, I thought he couldn't get any better than the old McGee. Well, simply because he put so much into his game then as well. But it was it was headless. It was just running everywhere. But he really, really he's never lacked effort. Mm. And when somebody has that much effort and has no end product, what was missing was his end product. Not just goals, assists, the cleverness round the box. Uh, you thought, can he get any better than that? And 
he has done without a shadow of doubt and good for him and there's a lot of players that have really responded anyhow. He's not a magician that can get everybody doing uh, wonderful things and the very average player is going to become a, a superb player. I mean... Paul Dummett's disappeared and McQuillow hasn't done anything. Matty Longstaff couldn't resurrect his career and save it at it, it, this level. He had to go further down. But a lot of players owe an awful lot to what Howe's brought to the table. And those that appreciate that are the ones that were here in the old days when it wasn't happening. You did say in the summer that you were slightly worried that if Almiron started all the games to January, that Newcastle would be worse off. Absolutely. And with the old Almiron, there would have been. With the Almiron we knew for the first two and a half, well, three years of his three and a half years, Mm. if Almiron was a regular in the side, we would have been mid-table or slightly below. But it's not the same Almiron. Yeah, and I guess the fact that you came out and you said that and where he is now shows you, shows everyone just how much he's improved because you didn't say that just no, for the listeners or, or out of no, spite you were saying said, out of out of what my eyes told yeah. me by looking at the man but my eyes originally when I saw Joe Linton making an absolute mess of centre forward my eyes didn't say he'll be a top class midfield player when I when I saw um, and by the way I, I, I'm not alone oh, no, thousands of yeah. Geordies uh, felt the same way as I do and when we're talking about the difference that has been made Almiron, let us not forget in this wonderful Miggy situation, which is absolutely true, let's not forget Fabian Shaw and all this, because we've let nine goals in in 11 games, and that is the best record in the Premier League, and that is the not only the whole of the back four and the keeper, but the midfielders and further, because we defend from the front and we attack from the back. And that's the way best teams do. But the, just to finish, though, uh, Andrew, the, the man that gets all the applause, and I can understand why, and he deserves applause, is Botman. Because he's come in with a lot of class, a lot of class on the ball, has a good footballing brain, new to us this season. It's easy to point at him and say he has made a huge difference. He has. But let us not forget that Newcastle... Eddie Howe, in 12 months, bought a whole new defence. He bought a new goalkeeper, Pope. He bought four back back four players. If, when you look at uh, Target and Byrne in uh, uh, Botman and Trippier. Uh, but one man survived the whole cull of the defenders, and that was Fabian Shaw. And he looked... A walking mistake. I mean, under Bush, he could play well and did play well, but you waited for his mistake and he always made one and often it ended up with a goal or a terrific chance and the keeper had to make a great save. He is now looking quality. He's stepping out the back with the ball, spraying it around. We say Botman's good on the ball, so Shaw. And Shaw has surprised a lot of us in exactly the same way as Miggy has and as Joe Linton did when he first made the move. I think Shaw's gone under the radar because he's a defender. Um, and he, how long has he been here now? An awful long time. One hundred percent. And as much as um, you know, we talk about your views on Miggin. You're right. You weren't alone. I can hold my hands up and say that I felt pretty much you the did. same about Fabian Cher. And I can hold my hands up and say he's come out and he's uh, he surprised me. He was brilliant against Everton yet again. And I you know where I used to fear. Um, the ball coming to him I'm not so fearful anymore I think he, he has stepped up a level I would like him though to come towards the ball a little bit quicker when it's getting past him when he is the final man you know when they're passing it around the defence he just stands off it a little bit too long for my liking I would like him just to come and get it um, because one day he will get caught out by a, by a striker say if Callum Wilson was the man Closing him down, he will get caught out. But that being said, yeah, Holland would catch him out doing that. <laughs> Holland would catch many people out. But that being said, fantastic um, performance yeah, by the and two And we can't expect everybody to be um, Messi in his pomp or Pele or no. Cruyff or Maradona. You're not going to get that. The improvements. Miggy have made and Shaw's made have made them different players from what they were but they're not going to make them world class even now it's not going to make them world class how much do you think 
what's happened off the pitch plays a part in that as well. That there is a unity from the stands to the boardroom to the dugout. That oh, there's a plan huge. and I ambition. Mean, you were playing in a bear pit when you were playing in the Ashley Bruce years because the crowd were irritated. The crowd would have a go at Ashley or they would have a go at Bruce. They would be dispirited. The play would be negative. It would be all defensive. The atmosphere would be awful. The atmosphere is wonderful now. Every little thing plays a part. Eddie Howe plays a part. His coaches play a part. The board play a part because they created all this and brought in Howe. The crowd are enormous in playing a part. They've gone back to what they were. Flags of war flags have give us an extra dimension. But they've gone back to what they were, which is passionate Geordies, very vocal. We have not won anything, but we don't care. We love the tune and we love them from cradle to grave. We've, so all these things have come along and come together and provided what to provide. But Eddie Howe was truthful and he said after the game, it's all about fine margins, you know. And at the moment... The success and failure. And at the moment, we're on the right side of the fine margin. But once we drop our level of pressure in a game, once we drop our intensity, once we drop our hunger and, and, and think we've got it cracked, we'll just pause, I'm talking about the players, then we will start to lose. There is a very small margin between success in failure, and we are on the right side of the coin at the moment. And my hope is that Eddie's the sort of level-headed guy. You see, I mean, if Eddie Howe suddenly believed it was God's gift of management, we would be in trouble because it, 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 he would then subconsciously stop doing some of the things that are working so brilliantly now. But I don't think he'll, he'll get like that. And he's got to make certain with his staff that all the players don't get like that. It only takes four players out of the team to suddenly think they can showboat and your team, instead of winning games 1-0, will start losing them 1-0 or 2-0. Yeah, well, he was interviewed after the game as he would be and by the BBC, and obviously we spoke to McCronica live, uh, but I was listening to the interview on, on BBC driving back from the game and he was asked about, you know, how far can this club go and one of the things he said was, you know, we've got to remain humble, it's feet on the ground and that's that, that's it. That's, that's I, I think that approach is exactly what we need to see from, from Eddie because, Howe. Yeah, and, and you're right, because, you know, you can. I know it took longer time, but you can go, you can do what Leicester's done and go all the way unbelievably to winning the championship and then to winning the FA Cup. And you're the new kids on the block and you've got wonderful players and you, your manager's doing the job and owners are absolutely terrific. And all of a sudden, you couldn't see where the cracks were going to come in that setup. Behind the scenes, financially, they were getting into a, a different ball game, and that's what happened. But all of a sudden, that wonderful fairy tale has literally disappeared. And that's got to be a warning to everybody that wants to be a Champions League side that, yes, you can get up there, but you can fall off the top of the mountain as well, and we've got to make certain we don't fall. Yeah, 100%. And it goes back to that, that Fulham game earlier this season, I think. Lose that, it's a bad start. Win that, it's, it's, it's a good start. And your castle have gone on from oh, there. Oh, absolutely. It's those fine margin I, I was know, talking when, about. When we had Bruno out and we had Wilson out and we were drawn at home with successive games with Crystal Palace and Bournemouth, we're saying we've done well, we've only lost one game, but we've only won one. And the next few games will decide which way our season goes. Now, luckily, we've got those two back and we've flown and that's terrific. But there's still always a little bit of apprehension. There must be. That's good. I'm pleased for that. Keeps on your toes. And the little bit of apprehension for me right now is that the butter is spread very thin on the toast. Because when you haven't got Maxi and you haven't got Isaac... Is back up. Where's the game changers on the bench? And Correct. Whatever, yeah. You look at the bench and it's very thin. You expect that Wilson will not see out 90 minutes. He really does. Um, he gets subbed midway sus- during the second half. I suspect, half. and we'll get onto this later on the show, but I suspect that Chris Wood might start on Sunday. No, he sort of, uh, that bothers me. We'll get onto uh, that. But we'll on. get on that later. But the point that I'm trying to make is, if you had in camp right now as we talk, Isaac fully fit and Maxi fully fit, 
You can win the change at Spurs. You can say Wilson's not going to make it physically because we can play Isaac and, and Maxi up front and to a certain degree not be that much weaker and stronger in other parts of the game. But you can't at the moment with them out. You look, you can switch about your wingers perhaps and you can switch about further back, but you're struggling right up top. And that's a shame. They're two big players to have out for a long time. And it's gone under the radar because they weren't in the team, the setbacks they've had. That's huge, you know. The setback with those two players is huge. 100%. And I think a lot of people were maybe caught off guard when Howe admitted that Isaac had a minor injury when he signed. So it, it appeared that it was it was quite a big gamble and it, it, it has maybe backfired. I think the refreshing thing you take from this run of form Newcastle are on, John, is the fact that they're picking up points, they're picking up wins as well, when they're not necessarily at the very best. They're not certainly not at their full strength because, as you mentioned, they haven't got yeah. Isaac, they haven't got St. Maximum, but they're still picking up points. Yeah, and there's ways of winning, as we both know. There's ways of winning. And the way that we beat uh, Brentford, was it the last home game? The way we beat Brentford, we were never going to beat Everton that way. They don't allow you. They're street fighters. They're niggly. I mean, every time something happened, I was sitting with Supermark and I'm saying, look at this. Players from all over the pitch, Everton players sprinted to get over to the referee and to get round the Newcastle player that committed the foul, wanting them booked, wanting them sent off. We had one by the touchline with Gordon. There's a sudden break and Pickford is over from in his goal berating the fourth official on the halfway line because there's a break in every one of their play. I'm not having a go at Frank Lampard if you've got to survive in their fights at the other end of the table, believe you me, because of their waveform. If you've got to fight to stay alive, you try everything possible. But they were niggly. They were doer. They were in your face. They weren't going to let you do certain things. We were going to have to win ugly yesterday. Uh, and we did. Newcastle matched them for that as well. I thought you oh, saw. Oh, totally. But but you, but you, you you know you can't roll over and have your your tummy ticket. Yeah. The only way faced with that that you're going to win is by saying, "Hey, I can do a bit of that." And all do you want it? Come on. Here. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I mean, we've mentioned previously on this on this podcast about Callum Wilson. How I would hate. I don't think I would like him very much if he was someone else's <laughs> player because he's always in the face of somebody, and he must be such an annoying player. Yeah. To, uh, to 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 look upon of you an opposition fan, but Kieran Trippier, I I love the fact that Kieran Trippier he rushes into a situation like he's going to be the peacemaker, but he's he, he nearly always tends to just pour fuel on on the fire. We saw it yesterday, you know, uh, with Anthony Gordon. Fair play to him; he's fighting for his team, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just makes us chuckle that uh, he goes in, and it seems to the situation seems to then get steadily worse in terms of you know. The players going face to face. He's a passionate man, he is. and they, we, we love it. Is he captain? And, and I was going to say he's captain. So you, the very clever thing is with a referee. If he runs across, he's the one that's got a right to be there. He's captain, so I can talk to you, ref, because I'm I'm the captain, and this is the situation. But by the when you've got Everton doing what they did yesterday, you've got to match that. Hmm, 100%. Yeah, and when you play Manchester City, you've got to match them, not only phys- physically, but you've got to match well, them football-wise. So whatever sphere the opposition bring up, Spurs will be different type of opposition to Everton. Um, yeah. But you've got to be able to play the way that's best to challenge and overcome the opposition. And we did that with Everton, very different to the way we did it with Brentford. Fabian Cher getting a lot of love for um, taking on Anthony Gordon as well in the uh, second half, wasn't it? Yeah, when he rushes in and he gives him a little bit of a shove. Sorry, it was the end of the first half, wasn't yeah. it? Um, so a lot of love for that. Um, before we move on to talking about you know a bit more about this Everton game, I just want to check, John, do you want me to bump you to the top of the waiting list for the Army One fan club or not? No, I think if I've waited three and a half years and 134 games, I can afford to wait a little bit longer and make certain that this is going to be a permanent change in the man and not just a little honeymoon period. I want to see it regularly because the name of the game's been regular and all the great players are regular. I'm having a bit of fun. He deserves all the credit that's going. But it has taken a long time for the penny to drop. He's been here three and a half years. Oh, well, and it was always going to come. It's got, 
it's gonna take it's gonna last more than three and a half months which, <laughs> which is what we're looking at the moment let let us be talking in a year's time next season when we're looking to go better than seventh and sixth and this fella is still the number one cookie in the jar then I'll be applying for membership. Okay, well, I'll make you honorary president of the club as well. If that, if that day ever comes. Man. You're a lovely man. Everton, you mentioned, you know, they were getting in, in Castle's face, they were getting around the referee. I felt they really tried to slow the game down, and they, they did do, but Newcastle didn't panic. They just kind of, especially in the first half, took control con- control of the game. I felt overall it was a, it was a poor game. It wasn't one you're going to remember. Game. No, no, no. And it, in the second half, Everton were we, better. Yes, they were. Because we, our legs seemed to go. We hadn't the great strength on the bench to change it like we talked because of Maxi and Isaac not being there. Um, so, but for all the ball they had, for all the better performance they had, for all the reacted to Lampard obviously getting into them at half time, you tell me how many saves Pope had to make. The, there was no threatened. end product. Our back four stood terrific against them. Pope collecting balls out the box, uh, crosses, etc., etc. But he wasn't leaping about his goal, being the, the, the great shot stopper that he can be. No. There was no need for it. So, you know, Everton got what they deserved on the night and we got what was deserved on the night. Yeah, they offered nothing going forward. Even when their plan of slowing the game down worked, and like we say, the second half, they were, they were the better side, more possession of the ball. They just looked, properly void of any idea yes, and Newcastle yes, dealt with that you know yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. look panicked Everton at all. know what they are which is a side making certain they don't go down and we look what we are a side about 6th or 7th in the league mm. not going to get any higher I suspect this particular season unless the January signs are great because you know we're 6th at the moment Liverpool might long term go above us which would make us 7th and 7th would be about right. I don't think we're going to overtake Chelsea yet, or we we're going to overtake uh, uh, Arsenal or Man City or or whoever. Not quite, not yet. But crikey, we're only twelve months into this experiment. Let us realise that it's been nosebleed. Mm, it's been quite something, hasn't oh. it? Oh. Um, Dan Byrne is he Eddie Howe's first choice left back? Do you think? Well, it looks as if he's Eddie Howe's cho- first choice left back because uh, I tell you what, uh, because he's getting picked game after game. Um, if I was Dummett, Lewis, or Target, especially, I would be thinking, what, what's happening here? I, I would be thinking, I've got no chance. I mean, Dummett's disappeared. There's 20 people on match day involved. 11 players and 9 on the bench and Dummett doesn't even make the bench Lewis that was couldn't get a number at the end of last season a shirt number is ahead of Dummett at the moment Target was signed on loan and did well enough for Newcastle to make it permanent but he can't get in ahead of a left-sided central defender at left back and there are three people that have spent their whole career um, trying to make left back their number one position. It's quite amazing. I don't think he is a left back. I don't think he looks like a left back, but he's a wonderful heart, a wonderful defender, and he certainly didn't let the team down against Everton. It'd be amiss of me not to ask you to describe how big his heart is because you do it quite often. I know our listeners like to hear it. Big as a fine pan. There we have it. Absolutely no question. I felt he had his better game, his best game, sorry, yesterday against Everton for the last few weeks because yeah, um, his against best game at left back. Because he because didn't have a good a time against back. Manchester United. He didn't have a good time the game before Anthony that. Anthony was a disgrace. Anthony should have took him to cleaners. Yeah. Anthony had the legs on him. And and Dan had been booked. Now, you've got the legs on the fullback and he's been booked. So if he gets a tackle wrong, he's off. You just kill... But £83 million from the plain front of Dan Byrne when he had him on toast. That, that epitomised to me what's wrong with Manchester United. Splashing far too much... The kid thinks he's got talent, so he doesn't have to do all the rest of the stuff. That wasn't taken advantage of. The game up here, the last home game, Dan looked exposed on the tram line uh, because you're not tucked in. He's a wonderful, wonderful, uh, big-hearted centre-half. 
Not a left back, but he had his best game without a question. He didn't let Wood down at all against Everton because they are a huff and puff in your face, sleeves rolled up type of side. Mm. Now, if you get clever players, whether he would fancy Song or Harry Kane dropping deep and running round him at left back on uh, Sunday if he plays in that position is a different kettle of fish. Um, but I fi- you know what I find intriguing? Um, and by the way, we've just I've just spent the first half of this programme telling you that Eddie Howe's one step off being a, a genius and a god. So I'm not having a go at Eddie, Eddie Howe. But it's interesting, isn't it? Two questions I would love to ask Eddie and not get the political answer because he's wonderful at political answers, telling you nothing and saying the right thing. I would love to say to him, when you bought Byrne in January, when he come and he helped save us from relegation and he was big-hearted and he did all this and did all that, how did you sanction a move for Botman, who's his twin? Because Botman's a left-sided size of Gray's monument defender better on the ball but so how how did you feel you needed another one when Bernard done so well now having done that how do you sign target on loan you impressed enough to then sign him full time and then you play a left-sided center half in target's position in the team what made you go for Botman when you had Byrne? And what makes you now play Byrne at left-back ahead of target? I would imagine it would be something along the lines of just having quality two, three quality players in one position. So, you know, if someone drops out, if someone has bad form, if someone gets injured, suspended, you can then okay, bring someone that tells in. you the Botman-Byrne situation, but it doesn't tell you why Byrne's preferred to target after you bought him as a... After you signed him as on loan and then you, you were impressed enough to make it permanent, and then you play a left-sided, eight-foot-six centre-half in his position, not once, regularly. Mm. And, and Target looks, he looks fit, you know, he, he does come well, he on. Is fit. And it, it's interesting. I, Paul you know, Dummett's fit, but he can't even get on the bench. Dummett, the contract was more properly. No, but what, how does how does Jamal Lewis get on the bench ahead of uh, Dummett? Well, if if I'm being, and this is just my opinion, I think it's, it's because, all opinion, I think it? it's because... Jamal Lewis, as small as, as the percentage is, still has some chance of a, a long-term Newcastle United career. I think Paul Dummett, the contract, I think it was maybe more to do with his experience and just being there to... Because it's yeah. a transitional period and just By being the way, there to offer that. May I say that whatever Eddie wants to do, I'll go with it because as long as Eddie gets results like this, he's doing it right. And he's the guy that sees him every day in training he knows what's going on. He knows what's going on with them mentally, which we don't know, whether they fancy it, whether they don't fancy it, whether they've got a pet lip on, whether they haven't got a pet lip on. And if if I look at the league table now and I look at the league table at the same time last season, whatever you want to do, Eddie, you do it, baby, because uh, you're getting it right. It's working, isn't it? Um, Trippier burn four left back on Sunday against Spurs. I'm, I... I, I you can only pick and not your trip, own. Yeah, sorry, target. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you can only pick your own team, can't you? Um, you can't guess Eddie's. I mean, you know, guessing Eddie's, he's been unchanged apart from the change forced on him, which was uh, Joe Linton for Willick in the game before last Man United. Um, you don't, and and a lot of people thought that he would spread the load last night, but of course you don't. Because he doesn't change you've, got to win it. you've got to win. Last night was winnable yeah. and you had to win it. So you put out your best side. I'm not suggesting Spurs isn't winnable. But we don't know how tired they are, what they'll do. what they. I mean, all we've, we can say of any assurance is that he's got people like Target, like Willick uh, and like Fraser who are capable of starting if he wants to spread the load without hugely weakening the side. You notice I didn't mention Chris Wood. Uh, I noticed, in yeah. Place we'll we'll, we'll speak there. about Wood momentarily, but go on. Just g- give me a name. Is it going to be Byrne or is it going to be Target? I don't know. In my position, it would be Target, but Byrne did his best game for it. It'll probably come and down to fitness, wouldn't it? And they'll see how they are the oh, next it'll, couple of days. It, totally. It'll come down to physical and mental fitness. Because I think if they're all fit... 
Yeah, I know. I, and I was an advocate for, for Target last night against Everton. I think if they're all fit, he doesn't change a win inside. It'll be burn. Oh, you cannot second guess it because we don't know how fit. Because fitness is just not in the legs, it's in the mind. If you're exhausted in your mind, you can't go again. Um, then, I mean, the only reason we are talking about Wood might play for for uh, Wilson is because we think Wilson, physically and in his mind, is running on empty or next to it. Because you wouldn't dream of doing that. If everybody was fit, the quotes and fit, and Wilson may well be fit in terms of the fitness of me and you, being yeah. able to walk down the street, not in terms of match. But you wouldn't dream of playing Wood for Wilson or, or thinking the manager would do that under normal circumstances, would you? It would just be because it's the third game in eight days, that's all. It's going to be interesting to see that team sheet and as usual go through um, our team sheet later in the episode. Just uh, a few more players' performances to talk about against Everton. Joe Linson went off at half-time. He was yeah, probably his, his fitness is going to come into mm, the team selection, isn't he's it? He's probably fortunate, I think. Andy Townsend on Amazon Prime certainly thought so, to actually not be sent off in the first half. He, he wiped out Onana, got a booking for it. He then wiped him out again five minutes before the break and it really comes a challenge. Did you think he was fortunate? Uh, I'm incredibly biased, of course, because I don't think uh, I wouldn't admit to any Newcastle lad being fortunate uh, not to have given away a penalty or not to have been booked or whatever. I think he was off it with with his knee and with things. And I think when you were a split second too late because you're not as sharp as you normally are, you end up wiping out people. Mm. And I think as as much as the, he had an injury, the fact that he, he was sluggish and was doing things like that would lend to him being subbed. And he had a good ready-made sub, a box-to-box runner in Willock. I thought Newcastle did suffer, though, when uh, Joe Linton went off. I think... Well, you will. He's eight foot six and built exactly. like uh, it's, it's the a world heavyweight boxing champion. It's the presence, isn't it, that he's got, the phys- physicality. There was a great moment. I've, I've written a piece about this on, on our website. Um, when Bruno put that f- first effort wide after that wonderful bit of play just after Almiron scored the goal. Wonderful build-up. And if you watch uh, if you watch Joe Linton, he, he absolutely punches the floor in fury because he's he's just behind Bruno and he's unmarked and he wants the ball uh, probably because... Wait a minute, I remember him centre-forward and I remember his header... I had a, a feeling you were going to say that. I remember his header with the gear line on the floor at Manchester United. Not his first header on the ball, his second one onto the onto the post. I mean, he punches the ground, he's got nerve in here. I mean, he's, he's not the ace finisher of all time. No, no, but you know, five yards out, six yards out, he's probably going to put that in the back of the net. And I, Is he? I, well, why, why didn't he put his header with the gear line flat on the floor at Manchester United? Fine margins, fine margins. Oh, Look, right, right. Well, my the, fine margin tells me he might have missed that one as well. I would prefer... I, I love Joe Linton as a midfield player. But I would prefer a chance to go to Bruno mm. than Joe Lynn. But the point I was going to make there, though, is just the fact that he he you know shows his anger and displeasure to his other teammates, sure. saying "I want that ball." He's voicing that. A year ago, we would never have seen that because he was head down, he was quiet, it was like he was just getting through the ninety minutes. He was lacking confidence. But here we are, and he's you know he's telling Bruno, yes, his fellow countrymen, yes, they got on really well, but Bruno is probably the best player in that team. He's saying, "I, I wanted the ball then." For me, I I just liked it. I don't know. It just it just, it just yeah. I it wonder what my attention. Bruno might have said to him. Yeah. Listen, but... pal, count your goals recently and count mine. Hey, but you know, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And that is the thing, you know, we we said about Almiron and he's. You know he's what I listened. love? Yeah, right. I, yeah, I I know the point you're making, but you know what I love was my mate. Supermark, who scored a few goals and a few bombers and was a decent old player. Just a tad. Um, he wrote a book called Never Afraid to Miss. And he used to say when he missed a chance, he was not a, he was not despond. He just knew he was a step nearer his next goal because he wouldn't miss the next one. And you've got to have a go. I'm, I'm talking about what Bruno did. If you're in a shooting position, shoot. Don't roll the ball, don't be six yards from the line and roll the ball square, cross goal, finish. Uh, even if you miss, finish. Because that's the only way a team will score goals. 
you can't pass to death in the penalty area or get out the way. Bruno's going to come onto it and smack it. Mm. And it wasn't such a bad effort. And then there were, there were a few instances against Outson where they were guilty of maybe one or two uh, extra passes that they didn't need. Yes. Same time, it was refreshing to see Jacob Murphy cutting inside and and, and, and having a shot on goal. You know, because I'd rather do that and go into the, the leaders' end than him take try to take on an extra player or pick the wrong pass. As you say, as Supermark would say, just just take a pop of goal if you miss. You the miss. Re- the reason Al Maven scored is because he didn't take a touch. Yes. He finished first time. Um, and that's the reason he scored. If he'd taken a touch, the space would have been reduced. I'm not saying he wouldn't have scored, but it would have been a lot harder. Mm. Um, the other person I want to talk about, and, and you know, people listening to this podcast will say, well, you only spoke about Sean Longstaff uh, in one of the, the, the recent previous episodes. But John, he, I'm sorry, he didn't have a good game last night. He was careless in possession. He kept giving the ball away. You know, I was no, listening, he didn't. No, he didn't. listening to um, BBC Newcastle on, on, on the way back home from the match. And, and John Anderson said, you know, he has to be quicker. He wants to do things in his own time. I was watching the Amazon highlights back a day and Andy Townsend said exactly the same thing. Yeah. He's got to be quicker in the middle of that park. And that's the difference between the likes of Bruno and, um, you know, other uh, midfielders who are a step above Sean Longstaff. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. And all things being equal... It spurs and all things won't be equal because of uh, um, injuries, niggles, spreading the load. All things being equal, you would probably go with your midfield of Bruno, Joe Linton and Willock um, down there. Uh, but then are you taking um, Bruno a little bit out the firing line to sit more? Because that's the job that's done by um, by Sean Longstaff. Uh, because Willick isn't going to do that job for you, really. Mm. But um, yeah, the, on form that would probably be a three. If if everything was equal, and of course we don't know what state Joe Linton's in after coming off with an injury. What is it with with Longstaff? You think is this? He's just found his level, and when you're playing alongside someone like Bruno, who's also really got the support of the fans. And I'm not saying fans aren't batting Sean Longstaff, but, you know, the love affair is very much in the oh, Bruno camp. Uh, uh, totally, totally. Um, every player has his ceiling. You know, we've talked a lot of, in early hours is there's no ceiling for Newcastle United. And, of course, there isn't because there's no lack of um, ambition or where they can go. But every player has a ceiling. Um, I thought Mickey's ceiling was a lot lower than it is at this given moment. Good for him. Will Sean Longstaff do something like that? Wouldn't that be a nice thought? It would um, be lovely. It would be a lovely thought. But no, um, I mean, he's, he's honest. He's good. He produces, at some stage, a rare, rare flash of something and you go, wow, where did that come from? The ball he gave to Isaac at Liverpool for the first goal where he threaded it through the needle and, and Isaac finished with a wonderful shot. Um so, yes, but no, it wasn't his, his best game um, last night, but uh, he's a valued member of the squad, if not the team. I think that's an important point, good squad member. Sadly for him, he's just not stepped up. You, you remember when Bruno came in, Shelby, uh, Willick, Julian, they all stepped up a gear. You've got Shelby now, he's back on the bench and... Long way off match fitness. He, yeah. he will be, but I think when he is back, and, and that will hopefully come before the World Cup break, and if everyone else is fit, I personally, unless Sean Longstaff steps up in the next the next couple of games, I don't think he's even in the discussion about who the the the, the, the first choice midfield three are. I think it is no. between Bruno Jolint and Shelby and Joe Willick. Mm. Yeah, I would think that's fair. I would think that's fair. Um, uh, but you you know it's a it's a 20-man game now not a 11-man oh, game uh, um, and he's a valued member of the bench so fine just finally on that Everton game a little cameo for Elliot Arneson had, had an effort at goal and he looked busy he got he got yeah. he got a, <laughs> a tasty introduction to uh, Premier League football shall we say I know he's featured before before anyone writes him but you know the point being made he got wiped out by Gordon didn't he quite early on and after yeah. coming off so that was a yeah, hello welcome to the Premier League yeah, reminder. It's also a bit of a badge because um, you, you've got to be good enough to get wiped out 
because you wipe out people with fear, don't you? Yeah. Um, but it was good to see him get on the ball and really want to take it forward. The lads are talent. Yeah. The lads are talent. Um, he has a lot of people around him in terms of nailing down a position in the side because you've just named all the midfielders when Shelby's fit, etc., uh, etc. Et and, and effectively, that's where he's going to come into the into the squad, uh, into the team. But uh, he's a real talent and he mm. will be a star for Newcastle, all things being equal. And by that, I mean he keeps developing and Touchwood avoids serious injury. Uh, certainly so. That will be the hope. Uh, so Fortress St. James's Park, brilliant to see Newcastle being a place to, to be feared by opposition teams. I'm a little stat for you, John. Are you ready for this? Yep. So when Newcastle beat Everton 3-1 mm-hmm. last season, February time, that was the 22nd game of the Premier League season. It took Newcastle United on to 18 points. Here we're sitting with Newcastle, having played 11 games. Yesterday's win against Everton took them on to 18 points. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Um, I, I absolutely can't understand why we were so bad last season. It uh, West Brom have been pretty bad this season, haven't they? <laughs> it's just a sign of just how how, how far forward we've we've come and we have. So, shall we talk about Tottenham? Yes, I think why we not? better. Um, before we do that, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. It's totally free to do. It just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to download or listen to. And if you get a chance to leave us a rating and a review, please do so. It helps get the podcast out to a wider audience. We'll take all kinds of feedback um, about our episodes, not just the one here with John, but the one with Aaron, Lee, whoever has featured. Um, if you want to just leave your comments, please do. We really do appreciate your feedback. On the Spurs then? Yeah. Uh, beaten by Manchester United. Yeah. They have suffered a few injuries. Badly beaten by Manchester yeah. United. Um, which, in, in many ways, I guess shows how well Newcastle did against Manchester United Old Trafford. I will be honest, I played my wild card in my fantasy Premier League team uh, on, where I changed about eight or nine of the players. I put uh, Harry Kane in, made him captain, uh, which totally backfired. And I put Son in as well, which which didn't work very well. Uh because I didn't, I didn't expect Manchester United to beat um, Spurs. I thought Spurs would run run wild over them, even with the injuries that they had. So I was, when I was driving back, I was I was uh, surprised to hear that my United not only were winning but uh, were comfortably winning. Then of course it, it did end two uh, 0 wasn't it, to Manchester United? Yeah, yeah, it was a bad result for Spurs, um, and for Spurs' ambitions and their fans' ambitions to launch a um, title challenge. And they're short of that. I mean, they're not going to match Manchester City. The The question is, will Arsenal, over a full season, over a, a grand national course, not just the first few months of a season? Um, because Man City are the yardstick for everyone. There's absolutely no question about that. Um, Spurs are interesting because Spurs on their travels can be a bit of a jelly baby at times. Spurs at Spurs are a different kettle of fish. Ten home wins on the bounce. That is a phenomenal record. Uh, if New- if they were coming up to St James's Park, I would be very, very confident indeed that Newcastle were going to win. Uh, and I'm confident of going down there, but it is different down there than on the road with Spurs. What was interesting listening to, I think it was Jonathan Woodgate on Five Live last night, he was saying that Spurs looked like they just didn't have any ideas. Now, they are missing the likes of Charleston and, and a couple of us who have suffered injuries. The other wide um, players being yeah. out as well. But he also said that they just couldn't handle Manchester United's midfield three. So Newcastle play with that kind of midfield three as well. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, if Newcastle, fingers crossed, can have the same impact on, 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 on Spurs. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And, and the only thing that uh, yeah, open-minded about is the fact that it's the third game in eight days. I'm thinking of Newcastle, not mm. them, and how much that takes it out of us and how much not spreading the load uh, is taken out of us. Or do we spread the load and we're that much weaker? Like if you take Wilson out the equation on, on Sunday, um, then that's a different ball game completely. Um You've got to handle Kane and Son, who at home are still a magnificent front 
two. Let us not underestimate that. But I tell you what, they've got to remember they're taking on the best defence in the Premier League with Newcastle United. So, you know, don't underestimate us in any way at this match because defensively, where sound is, I was going to say sounds a pound, but a pound's not very sound anymore. As we mentioned, Eddie Howe, you know, said, let's keep our feet on the ground, let's remain humble. And I think a lot of fans will go into this game with that feeling in mind. You know, we know how good Spurs are at home. We know the players have got, yes, with the injuries, but, you know, they've still got world-class players. Harry Kane is, oh. is absolutely superb. And I think, you know, that, that'll help. You know, no one's expecting a win, so if they do get defeated... Um, Newcastle there won't be a, a big fallout a big overreaction at the same time though Eddie Howe will not be going into this game thinking well if we pick up a point that's a bonus he'll be going into this game thinking right I know we not, might not be 100% fit I know we might have to play uh, you know Chris Wood instead of Callum Wilson which wouldn't be my first pick but I'm going to have to do it he'll still be going down to London thinking but there's three points here and it's three points I want yeah so they should uh, so they should and, and their record and their stats which we talk about, nine goals let in, 11, one defeat all season. Spurs losing to Manchester United, they've lost two now. Is that going to be a wounded animal? That's what everybody says when uh, after a defeat. Uh, no, it's going to be Spurs at home. They've won 10 on the trot at home. It's going to be Spurs saying to themselves, by the way, we were an absolute disgrace of Manchester United, but you know what? We're playing on our midden. But I'll tell you what, I had a look before I come here, and I haven't got the results in front of me here, but I had a look at who they, they've beaten in that 10-game run. And they haven't beaten the big sides. They haven't beaten Chelsea in that run. They haven't beaten Man City in that run. They haven't beaten Champions League sides in that run. Uh, the best side that they've beaten in the run is Arsenal, which was at the end of last season which was the big London derby. And four days later, Arsenal come to Newcastle and Newcastle beat them. So they haven't been beating at home world-class sides. They haven't beaten Liverpool at home. They haven't beaten Man City at home. They haven't beaten Chelsea at home. Uh, the, the, the top Premier League sides, they've beaten Wolves and whoever. Leicester. They haven't yeah. beaten... No in Europe, they haven't beaten absolute quality. However, you, as we famously say, and it is correct, you can only beat what's in front of you. Uh, and they've won 10 on the trot. We've got a pretty good home record, no, you know. Uh, but they've, the game is at their pitch, they've won 10 on the trot. So our challenge is to spoil that. Mm, 100%. Let's just have a quick look then at this Newcastle United side. I know you'll say, John... There's no point because we can't second guess Eddie Howe. But That's let's, correct. Let, let, let's, let's go through. and um, There's less point, by the way, for this game than any other because we also don't know how mentally drained each individual is, which will be assessed by Eddie Howe and his staff on the training ground between now and Sunday 4.30. But that being said, Pope and goal, Trippier at right back, I would think. Yep. I think, again, like you've mentioned there, everyone fit and what have you, it'll probably be Botman and Cher. Left yeah. back, I think, is probably the big decision. I'll, I'm going to go Dan Byrne. I think he'll stick Dan Byrne. I, I would play a target, but I think he'll stick Dan Byrne. Across the midfield three. You know, he'll, he'll do something totally unusual, like he'll play Byrne and place a Botman, rest Botman and, and bring target in. Or something. You, you just don't know. Um, midfield yeah. three especially don't know because of Joe Linton's injury That's but it, it. it would be probably Joe Linton Bruno and Willick if under normal circumstances but it might if Joe Linton is deemed only fit enough for the bench then you would go Longstaff Willick and Bruno mm. too early for John Joe Shelby you would imagine even uh, or far too early bench. he hasn't even put him on his sub to get a few minutes into his legs yeah. far far too early um, and then on the wings, you could see make, maybe making a you few You could see chances. Fraser starting. Yeah. In, in maybe. On the low of averages. But then Miggy, I mean, Miggy's going to stop. Miggy's the man in form. And he's like the Duracell bunny. You can wind him up and he'll run all day. So I don't think fitness will be a problem with Miggy. And then on to up front, I do think he will start with Chris Wood. I can follow why you're saying that. It gives me nightmares, but I can follow why you're saying that. Could he do the business against Spurs? No. Not even a little bit? Not a, not a chance? Not a slither of hope? 
Well, I, 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 I don't want to not have hope. And uh, I've got an awful suspicion that you could be right on team selection there. Uh, I just think it's a sweeping generalisation. He's so far off, I was going to say Premier League level, but Newcastle United Premier League level. Hmm. He's so far off that that it's untrue. And we would be sacrificing an awful lot up front. Isaac, who isn't a through-the-middle target man, he can't play with his back to goal, he's got a face goal, he can't do what Wilson does. But he would be a better option to me than Wood. The best thing you've got with Wood is to try to get him to fight the two centre-halves, to try to get him to ruffle through feathers in the air uh, and hope something comes off the knockdowns. Mm. Um, how will Newcastle approach this game? Similar to the Manchester United one where they know they're going to have to defend quite a lot, but yeah. at the same time, they're not just going to sit back and park Absolutely, the absolutely. We may have the best defensive record in the Premier League, but don't run away with the idea, and Geordies don't, but let Spurs not run away with the idea. That means we're defensive, because we're not. We defend right across the team, from the front to the centre to the back four, uh, but we're not. We're front foot and we have a go at sides. Um, and that's when we occupy sides further up the field so they can't get at us as much as they used to. We are not a defensive side at all, but we are good defensively. Mm. Uh, where we, he wished to be a horror. Can you remember his, in the Steve Bruce side teams letting four and five in, and in the minute it got to two, heads drop, and they were, were like a colder. What What was more more horror for me in many ways was, was when you go to places like Spurs or go to Stamford Bridge to face Chelsea, oh. and it was just like a train training game for the opposition. At least here, even if they do have to sit back and 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 dig in more than usual, more than we might like, you still know that at some point in the game. They're going to go for it. They're going to try and hurt sure, sure, um, the opposition. Sure. And that is that is refreshing. Um, before I ask for your score prediction, John, just give our listeners... Or just prediction. Uh, just prediction, sorry. Yes. Give our listeners a, a little taste of um, what Jimmy Greaves was like to play. Because you've got Harry Kane, who is fantastic and obviously the comparisons are made at Jimmy Greaves because of his goal scoring record for Spurs and Jimmy Greaves has been Spurs' all time record goal scorer for so long. Yeah. Can you can you see the comparison there? No. Uh, I can't see the comparison in goals but uh, but not in style of play. I mean I was privileged to see Jimmy Greaves an awful lot. Um, it's got something to do with age. Um, but uh, Jimmy Greaves was a box player. Uh, Kane, especially now, not so much when he first started. He, he was he played like Shearer when he first started. Now he likes to drop deep, and some of the balls he gives for Son from midfield. If Bruno did it, he would say, "World class midfielder, this fella." And and Kane can do that. So Kane drops much deeper than Jimmy Greaves ever did. But Jimmy Greaves was the ultimate finisher. In the box. I remember talking to Supermac about him. And when Supermac was a little kid at school, his headmaster, who saw a little something in the, the young Malcolm McDonald, told him that night, Spurs are playing, go and watch the match. But don't watch the game, just watch Jimmy Greaves. He said, and I went there and just watched Jimmy Greaves. He said, you know what? When everybody was running about, Jimmy Greaves was standing still. Mm. And then when the ball come to him, he ran and everybody else was on their heels. And he was the greatest finisher inside the box you would ever see. Um, and But Kane is going for that sort of record in both goal scores, but in a very, very different way. But Jimmy Greaves was quite phenomenal, but he was a box player. I'm going to give our listeners a little insight into what happens before we record. I joked with John that if we're <laughs> quick in recording this episode... We might do it before um, any more chaos within the government. <laughs> and it appears that the Prime Minister may be on the verge of actually not being the Prime Minister any longer. So let's see, John, by the time I upload this episode, whether we do have a change in Prime Minister. The world is absolutely crazy. At least we've got Newcastle United to keep us calm and happy. Well, within our lovely little cushy world of Newcastle United, 
when we had the takeover, followed by Eddie Howe, followed by Trippier, followed by Bruno, our world uh, changed forever, but uh, ours changed for good, haven't been rubbish. <laughs> so uh, right at this moment, the, the government affects my, me day-to-day. Newcastle affects me on match day, and I'm happy with Newcastle United right now. There we have it. Well, John, how will Sunday go for Newcastle United? Yeah, well... Okay, and don't call it sitting on the fence because I hate that. Because ah, you see, if you've got to say that though, you're going to be sitting on the fence. No, I'm you? saying no, I'm saying a draw, okay, but that's okay. not sitting no, on no, the fence. Fair enough, that's fair because enough. it's a result. You only sit on the fence when you say we could win, but we could lose, and I'm not certain which it's going to be. We're going to draw, and if we draw, that's a terrific result because we are the team that stopped their ten match home winning run. Um, and the only reason I'm going for a draw instead of a win is because I'm not certain what side we'll be able to put out and how mentally fit, as well as physically fit, all those on the park will be, because we don't know. And Eddie Howe never tells you. I mean, we had no, we didn't know when we went to Manchester United that Maxi had had a relapse and wasn't going to be in the squad. We didn't know that Willock had been ill all week and wasn't going to start because he never told us. Keeps so his the, cards close uh, to his chest. So he? Oh, there's loads of things could be on now that, that we don't know until an hour before the kickoff at Spurs. But Newcastle to draw. <sighs> Do you know what? Screw it. Newcastle to win. I've done it gone for it Newcastle to pick up three points wonderful and that would be absolutely massive a draw for me would be excellent as it would well be a good because, point. It would be because a good point. they've won 10 on the trot not to lose and to keep that record of only one defeat all season would be absolutely marvellous I think there's more chance of Newcastle winning than losing but I think it'll be a draw but I think there's more chance of them winning than losing well, there we have it. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast with myself, Andrew Musgrove, and John Gibson. We'll have the view from the opposition on Friday morning from Rob Guest from Football London. We'll also have Eddie House press comments on chroniclelive.co.uk and, of course, live coverage of Spurs versus Newcastle on chroniclelive.co.uk on Sunday through our dedicated live blog. Uh, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast, and I hope you enjoy the end of your week. 